0: What is up, Nerds Nation? Welcome back to the Nerds Podcast with the most dynamic duo in all of podcasting. My name is Nick Benizio. standing across from me is my guy, Martin. How we doing? Good. How you doing, bro? Doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. Uh, so yeah, we got some stuff we want to talk about today. Um, but Before we get into all that, uh, piggybacking off of last week, I watched As uh, Morris Peros oh yeah, yeah yeah you know you just it, yes and uh fantastic yeah it was film. it was really good i think the biggest kick that i got out of it and it's also what i love about watching like famous directors that i like going back to like their first film is you start to see like where they start to develop like their cinematic like language mm-hmm. and their style and everything and with in obviously i haven't seen 21 grams or babble yet and that's going to be next on my list but uh, he had like a knack early in his career for sort of developing like these like multifaceted like stories mm-hmm. all centered around like a uh, like a butterfly effect like one event that like happens one event, right and it just affects people all, all these people all these mm-hmm. different types of people so seeing this it was almost like and this is going to be people are going to probably flip out but uh, it was like a much better version of crash right um you know because i mean and i like crash but a lot of people hate crash people think that crash is one of like, the worst best picture winners of all time well it's because what was it up against that year Didn't uh brokeback mountain brokeback mountain and that was that sideways also sideways yeah yeah, 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 I, yeah a lot of much better films right yeah. that's
1: was, that was like one of like if you want to kind of call it that was one of like the uh more well-known earlier indie steals yes of, like the, yeah and that was big too yeah. like when
0: crash won everyone was shocked
1: yeah i mean it had an all-star cast brandon it Fraser. Did. brandon uh, Fraser. Yeah, you know it was a I, I love Crash. I think that film. I do incredible. too. I really like yeah. Crash
0: too, but a lot of people hate it.
1: Uh, that's weird. Yeah, I that's guess weird. I guess because
0: they feel like I it's, do know.
1: Uh, I do remember that there was backlash in the sense of like it shouldn't deserve to win, mm-hmm. but I thought it was an incredible film.
0: I think know? people thought it was a little, uh, I guess, too broad on its terms of like dealing with racism and things like that. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't genuine. So you can say it's ahead of its time. Maybe ahead that's of its time. Maybe ahead of its time. That's what you could say. Absolutely. Um. But yeah. But Amoris Paris really, really loved it. Really enjoyed it. Uh, it was one of those movies too that left me wanting more, like like the old guy. Like I want to know what happens. Like obviously mm-hmm. he just goes off and he walks somewhere, but it's like I'm like, where does he go? What does he do? Like mm-hmm. I, it just, but it left me with that feeling. Uh, and the first, the first chunk of it, the first story centered around like the dog fighting. That was the one that really, that, like, that was probably my favorite. That, like, yeah, that one Oct- really uh, with Octavio.
1: Yes, that mm-hmm. one really hooked me. And Susana. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, that that's bitch like, left him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, he <laughs> Octavio was way in over his head. Man. No
0: man, I I, I mean, I, uh, what's what was the name of the girl? Susana. Susana. Yeah. Like I felt bad for her, man. Mm-hmm. Just had these just toxic dudes all around her, just fucking having their way with her. I was like, God damn it, man! This girl needs help. Like, you need to get out of there. <laughs> yeah, you need to get out of there. exactly. <laughs> but we're gonna go to your drunk mom. Fuck. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> God damn it, poor Susanna. But that's that's what I loved about it, though, because like Inuyasha really showed, like the struggle of like these people and like you know where where they are and how they they feel trapped and there's nothing they could do. Like the brother yeah. was basically robbing banks and mm-hmm. you know it's just like well how... Inuyasha does that a lot. He likes to keep it as almost natural as possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he.
1: That's something that he's that's kind of been sort of true throughout his um throughout his filmography, but yeah, I love that film. Um, I've been telling you about it for a really long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it translates to "loves a bitch." Yes. When you think about like Octavian and Susan, when you think about um the the, the next couple that yeah 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 like leaving his wife for mm-hmm. his new chick, only for it to go sideways. And then the love for the dogs. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, oh my God. And also the scene at the very end when he leaves the voicemail for
0: his daughter is very mm-hmm. emotional. Oh uh, dude, that, that that scene killed yeah, me. Yeah, it's a that very emotional scene. Me. It's a
1: really great film if anyone yeah. hasn't seen it. And there's also um for there's a great story behind it. Uh because that was essentially that story is the reason that um that's how Guillermo and Iñárritu met. Yes. Uh Inarritu was doing was making this film. He, at this point, Quran was pretty well established in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Um, Guillermo was also established making films, but he wasn't really as mainstream yet. Like, as mainstream yet. But, you know, you need to reach out to Quran to kind of help him with the movie. And there was a talk from 2017, I believe. It was a British talk at uh, the British Film Expo. And Quran talks about how he had originally seen the film. Like, he had seen, like, the first cut. Yeah. And he was like, dude, this is not good. <laughs> like, it was not a good film. So... You know, went back to make a lot of changes to it. And while he was making those changes, that's when Guillermo, that's when he met Guillermo. Mm-hmm. And he talks about how Guillermo just showed up at his house, started eating everything in his fridge. <laughs> and they were just making they just like pretty much edited the movie together. Wow. Um, and that would be eventually became the final cut. And then Quran talks about how when he saw the final cut, he was like, Holy shit. Yeah. This is so different. Than when I I almost before. wonder what
0: that first cut looked like too, because I feel like. Well, according to Guillermo, it's eight minutes longer. It's eight minutes longer, <laughs> and I told you there but, is. But does, doesn't he? Did inter- he, he says no? He goes, it's not. Yeah, and he Guillermo goes, not. it absolutely He's right like, is. He's like, I it. have
1: the Guillermo <laughs> says, I have the original VHS. Uh-huh. It's hundred percent eight minutes longer. But I even told you there is one scene that I know is missing mm-hmm. with the dogs when they're growling at each other. Right. Like, I vividly remember when the guy leaves. Um, what's the dog's name? again? coffee. Like he starts growling and barking at the other dog, right. so like it almost sets it up. Yes. So it was
0: already edited down for whatever streaming service. I mean, it's very saw. possible there's other versions. I mean, how many times have you seen a movie like on TV and it's like I vaguely remember there being extra scenes in here and there's not. Like there's mm-hmm. definitely like alternate versions of stuff.
1: But it's very true to what you said though, because twenty twenty one grams
0: is also like that.
1: Center um, on one
0: specific event. Yeah, and it's also a yeah. car
1: accident. Uh-huh. Um, I don't want to get spoilers away, but it's also centered around a car accident. Babel, same thing, but centered around Cape Blanchett getting shot because mm-hmm. that affects everything. Right. Even going back to like what's going on in Mexico, and uh, and yeah, and in Ruto it just has like a way of um kind of capturing like really, I kind of hate saying it this way, but like really raw moments. Mm-hmm. Um, even though I'm not a crazy fan for Babel, there's a scene where they pretty much have to like as, like cross the Mexican border, they get stopped. It's also Gal Bernal Garcia who's yep. in it. But they pretty much just stopped by, like... You mean um, of, of
0: World by Night fame?
1: Yeah. This fucking... <laughs> this motherfucker. And it goes, wow, she left him, like, she left him the, uh... The, my guy from World by Night. I'm like, World, You're a guy from... Like, put some... That's the movie that you remember him from? Put some respect... You know what that was like? That was, like, in There's Something About Mary, where yes. she was like, oh, I gotta cancel with What's-His-Name. And he's like, What's-His-Name?
0: <laughs> oh, God, that reminds me. I have to call him cancel with What's-His-Face. What's-His-Face.
1: That's what, that's what that was like. I'm like, you better put some fucking respect on his name, bro. Warren's
0: like, I do a podcast with a retard.
1: I know. <laughs> my real passion is my hobby. Really? What's that? I work with retards. We got, we got Nick here. He's a mongrel. you a mongrel. <laughs> got to get him out of the cage. But um, but yeah, there's that scene when they're like crossing the Mexican border. And it's a very super like intense scene. Um that, like, that's
0: always my takeaway from that film. I remember just being, like, very floored when I saw that, but... You know what's funny, too? I was also reading about... Uh, I was reading about Inuritu and, you know, his his early careers and stuff, and it was funny that the second story... Ice coffee. Ice coffee, yeah. Uh, the second story in um, Amoris Peros deals with the guy who is a graphic designer, and uh, Inuritu himself was a graphic designer as well. He did that for a little bit before he got... And he into, makes like, a
1: brief cameo in the he movie. He
0: is as one of those guys, so that's really funny, but... Just going back to you know talking about like his early career and who he worked with, uh, his his screenwriter for those three movies because I guess they call it like the Death Trilogy between Mm -hmm. that movie Twenty One Grams and Babel. uh, Apparently, they had a falling out when they were making Babel. Yeah, and and it's funny too because they said Babel was like his most ambitious and his most grueling film to make at that point point. and it's funny how it's sort of like it came out in like the film as well because the film isn't as uh, as you would say as strong as 21 grams or as a
1: more yeah Bros. well actually to be honest i don't think because when you follow in your you're just filmography i don't 21 grams is, is good it's a fine film whatever yeah um but it does trickle down a lot because i don't think while 21 grams is fine and Babel I'm not the craziest fan of none neither of them captured that ma- that same magic that Amor does. Mm-hmm. like yeah. it's not even close right so um, and then he did beautiful which even though it got heavier Bardem his Oscar I also didn't think it was that great of a film I don't think he really bounced back until he did like Birdman yeah. That was like a huge like comeback right, moment for me. Right, him. which is
0: really interesting too. And I and I love Birdman too. And mm-hmm. but you're not and I love the Revenant. You're not a crazy fan of the Revenant, right? No, I like the Revenant. Yeah. I just think
1: it's more um style or substance. Mm-hmm. You know, it's more like, you know Like the story's not really there. It's more about like, yeah. like the technical aspect. And the, of the performance film. is good. Yeah. You know, don't get me wrong. But um but I think like the first 20 minutes of the Revenant are far more superior than the rest of the film. Than the rest of the film, yeah. Yeah. I think it's more of just like uh let's see these pretty shots and mm-hmm. you know. Um, from a technical standpoint and a production standpoint, it's, it's, a, it's an, it's an amazing yeah, feat yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. But uh, but yeah, I mean, I don't I don't hate it. Uh, saw re- saw it at Regal Battery Park. Oh, Regal <laughs> Battery Park! <laughs> wow. Saw it at Regal Battery Park, nice. but um, which we saw a crazy thing on TikTok when people were talking about the best movie theaters and. In New, York, New York, and it was and, this list was totally. It was off. such a bullshit list. Yeah. I'm like, no Nighthawk Cinema, right? No fucking um, AMC Thirty Fourth wasn't on. AMC Thirty Fourth, not no Angelica, no yep. Village. The- like whatever, go yeah. fuck yourself. Bro. Go fuck yourself. Um, but, but yeah, um, loving your review 2, and uh, I don't even know what we were talking about before we got onto the subject, but
0: well, just just about um, like the Death Trilogy and mm-hmm. kind of how he had the falling out with his one screenwriter, and also too, uh, since we're gonna be talking about Last of Us soon. I had no idea that I believe his name is Gustavo Santalala. I think that's how you say it. Uh, he's the composer for The Last of Us score for both games and for the TV show. Mm-hmm. Scored all those two films. He scored Amores Pedros, He scored 21 Grams. He scored Babel. I don't know if he did any movies after that, but that was cool to see too.
1: Well, Inuyuto also considers himself a failed composer, like a failed musician, right? Because he yeah,
0: he did some of that too. He did some
1: radio. He tried to do some like composing for um for some films mm-hmm. earlier early in Mexico. Um. So
0: yeah like it's a nice little yeah i'm a big i'm a really big fan of that dude like regardless of some of the movies that you know you may or may not like i you know just seeing some of his talks and stuff like i just he's he's probably like my favorite person to watch talk out of the three out of the three amigos i just really like his style and where he comes from and i think it's tough for me to pick but i think i would probably have to lean well garen was just fun to listen to garen was fun to listen to and garen was very um and Guillermo's just very just honest well, he's, he a just, kid. he's a kid too yeah. Guillermo's, Guillermo's literally the definition of like a 10 year old in like an adult spot mm-hmm. like he just has like and that, he's excited he's got that, that kid twinkle in his eye you know? I think Karan says
1: like Karan's very a little dry like he makes this one great line and he's like he's like all my movies like I don't see them as Guillermo or Inarito do like he's like Inorito and Guillermo see the movies as their kids mm-hmm. I see my movies more like ex-wives <laughs> it's like i had a good time with them it was fun but now that it's over i don't really need to see them i don't anymore. need to see them again yeah. wow that's
0: a really interesting way to look at it. i like that
1: yeah when like that's what i'm saying like when you see like in, in your youtube and game or talk they're like so
0: excited about their them right, right but uh that's such an artist mentality too because how many times do you like create something and it's like i did it i need to look at it again because i don't need to look at my password because like I'll, I'll even do that too with some shit that i make and i'll look at it and I'll be like Ugh, i don't need to look at it again. yeah, like, I'm, yeah I'm for done. sure no but i think i have uh, i'm
1: pretty sure we we briefly touched up on this, but I think out of their three filmographies, I definitely lean more towards Guillermo's.
0: Mm-hmm. Um I think he's probably the most oh, I don't know. You think Guillermo's the most accessible in terms of like a general audience? Uh probably. probably I mean probably between right. I mean, he's got superhero films.
1: He's right. got like Blade II, he's Two, he's go, got, two Hellboy Hell movies. Yeah. Pacific Rim. Um, Pacific yeah, Pacific, like he's got like big mainstream sort of blockbuster films, mm-hmm. I think. Um, whereas to Quran, I think his films are incredible films, but I think they're for a much different audience. Right.
0: And but he, he has had his heights with uh the Harry Potter, the Harry Potter like very early and, and on. Gravity.
1: Yeah. And also like when we were talking about those early two thousand days like Great Expectations. Yep. Yeah. Um Little Princess. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, he definitely has he definitely has that sort of mainstream appeal, but I think out of the three of them, guillermo's definitely the biggest, for I sure say. Yeah. Given um given his filmography. And, you know, they're they're still working, they're still making doing incredible work. Um guillermo's
0: about to get his second Oscar, which is awesome.
1: Yeah. And It's crazy too because he always says this is the last one, this is the last movie, this is the last movie, and then he always has like a whole bunch of shit. Wait, who says that? Guillermo Guillermo says that. that he this is always last says it. He, he really? always says, like, he's like this is probably be my last. He says, he says it in a bunch of talks. Like, he has a mentality, like, this is probably gonna be my last movie, but then he has like three or more lined up. Well, it's funny think too, because, because about he's, it. like, he's, like, he's like, I just pitched three movies when he was doing that. That three amigos, exactly. Talk. Yeah. And think about it in the last, what, two years, he's had two, yeah, like with a uh, nightmare alley, right? In the last, what. Six. He's had
0: three. Right. It's a lot. <laughs> That's a lot. That's definitely a lot, dude. And I don't know if you've ever seen his list of unproduced scripts that he's written. Oh, he's got a ton. He's got the most like Frankenstein, Justice League, uh, J- Justice League Dark, Justice League Dark uh, at the Mountains of Madness, like all kinds of crazy well, stuff. Well, that I would movie love to see.
1: at the Mountains of Madness is a movie that a lot of people are hoping at some point comes back. Right. Um, you know, and Gamora talks about it. I mean, I, I like I said, I've listened to almost every single talk they've done, but he talked about it one time. When they were they were um pretty much what's the word I'm looking for they were kind of what 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 is it when you go check out um uh, a loca- like location scouting location scouting yeah yeah they were like location scouting in Alaska I believe and they were they had just finished like a long day of doing like a hel- like a helicopter like whatever and he said when he got back um one of his producers was like hey the studio's on the line. And right away, he knew that the movie was going to be canceled. Wow. And he said that he didn't even get upset. What was the reason for
0: budgetary concerns? I'm not not entirely... I can't really
1: remember. But he says that when that stuff like that happens, he's like, I don't get upset. Mm -hmm. I don't get mad. I just look at it as great practice. Okay. So he said he's like,
0: like, I just turned around to my crew. And I was like, all right, guys, great practice. We'll do it better on the next one. Right. And you know what, too, man? I hate to say it, but a movie like that, especially nowadays... I feel like the only way it's gonna happen is if like Netflix says, "Hey, we'll give you a, this well." There's this, been, this much money there's been we'll like, um,
1: like concept f- video, right? Like concept. Oh, he, oh, footage. he made, he made footage. Yeah, of it? and there's okay. like a really, really great like sort of, um, concept sequence when there's like a guy on some like ice mountain, and then this fucking creature—it's like a spider-looking creature. <sighs> god, I love that shit. It's like half humanoid, half spider. Comes yeah. in with, like comes in, like attacks him. Oh my god! It's very, very Guillermo. Yeah um and not just that he had his fucking cu- cabinet of curiosity it's yeah. like the dude stays busy he does like, the dude he just does. can't help it yeah. so whenever he yeah. says shit like because he loves it man yeah he loves whenever it. he's like oh it's my last movie i'm like no it's not yeah, well. yeah. like just stop but uh but but yeah love the dude and uh i just i mean those three have just really like the past decade they, they have just like owned yeah they life. have and, yeah and, and if you want to talk about like them. oscars and everything yeah they definitely
0: crushed it mm-hmm.
1: which and is I love. It. good for them yeah man and latinos
0: mexicans Mexicans gotta love it All right, let's talk Last of Us. We are just past Last of Us episode two, Infected. Uh, Just a quick little recap. We have Tess, Joel, and Ellie uh, made it out of the quarantine zone, the QZ, and they sort of took shelter uh, overnight in one of uh, one of the broken down buildings. And, you know, they're kind of going back and forth because they found out that Ellie is immune. Joel wants to shoot her. Tess wants to no, see. No, they found out. She's infected and they don't really know. Like, is she? Immune oh, is or she? immune? Not? Yeah, they're, yeah. They're, they're they're sort of dabbling. I know like, you haven't
1: played a game. So biker boys, biker boys. I know you haven't played a game, but I'll be here to correct. Yeah, yeah you need to correct me. So that's, that's, you, what, that's, why got got that's why you're here.
0: That's why you're here. So reluctantly, they decide to push forward uh, to get to the state house. along the way. Uh, encounter some clickers, which we'll talk about. Uh, ultimately get to the state house, find out that all the fireflies have killed themselves because one got infected. So they ended up all just shooting each other and uh, Tess sacrifices herself uh, so that Joel and Ellie can get away when uh, the tendrils sort of come into play here, which mm-hmm. we'll also talk about because that's a little, very different from the game. Um, but before we really get into like the nitty gritty of the episode, the opening. Once again, the opening is the most effective scene. Mm-hmm. You know, like the second week in a row. You know, for the first week, we had the John Hanna scene. This week we have uh, the scene in where is it? Is it uh is in it, Jakarta? In Jakarta, yeah. You know, like for, for me, if they keep doing this every single episode, I'm cool with it. Like I love seeing the flashbacks. I love seeing the origin of the inf- of the infected and an extremely just so like I don't know who those two actors were that played the professor and the one military guy, but when she tells him
1: you need like, to bomb this yeah. city,
0: it's one of the most chilling fucking scenes ever and. The woman playing the professor sells it. Like when, like when he tells her that 14 people are missing from work, the way she like holds her teacup and just puts it down as she's shaking, it's just like it's a masterclass. It really is. Like that. Like if you want to know how to do a really effective chilling scene, watch that scene.
1: Yeah, it was great. Um, like I'm with you uh to me the clicker scene is the best scene of the episode mm-hmm. but that cold opening again was really well done really well executed and really set the tone once again for the rest of the episode it
0: did and it also answer questions too like how the infection start it started in a flower factory yeah and she says that it's like a
1: perfect um she said it's like a substrate yes um which using a google machine <laughs> showing off figured out how to work the google on the internet machine definition is it's like the perfect um sort of underlying bed for an organism right whatever it may be you know so if like you can say that a i don't know an ice cap is a substrate for a polar bear or right, right i don't right. fucking know <laughs> but she's like yeah well, that's like a perfect place for this for like an organism to maybe evolve and grow mutate, and mutate yeah. possibly yeah which is eventually going to happen right you know, you're going to have some weird fungus growth and you're gonna have a fucking bat mm-hmm. come out of nowhere bite the fungus and then Next thing you know, we're having Last of Us, a uh, real life. Um, yeah. But yeah. If, if people don't realize, COVID, COVID is like the cold opening for uh, for what's about to happen to us. <laughs> <laughs> it's the only amount of time. Baby. Yeah. But um, but yes, I uh, I thought the cold opening was great. I thought overall, the, um, the episode again was just, it was a good episode, mm-hmm. really well acted, really enjoyed um, the interaction between the three actors. And then, yeah, once we finally get to that clicker scene, where, which is really the climax of the episode, I was like, yeah, this is fucking dope.
0: Yeah, it's awesome. And the the way they did the clickers is like you couldn't have done a better job, like mm-hmm. in terms of translating from game to, to screen. So perfect. I'm pretty sure the people playing the clickers were the motion capture artists for the video game. So the fact they got them in here was just smart. And the uh
1: no, they said in the um after episode that they hired Oh, they hired people. They hired oh, okay. um like movement actors, whatever mm-hmm. that is, but who were big
0: fans of the game. Gotcha. So they knew how the clickers moved. Ah, uh, okay. that's yeah, that's, yeah. that's that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And then the, uh, the prosthetic work, man, like the makeup effects and everything was just yeah. so good. I'm glad, I'm glad they took that route instead of doing like some sort of like CG like mix of, mm-hmm. of things. Cause it just looks so much better being practical. Uh, yeah. And then just for just overall, uh, the, the thing that I think I really took away from this episode and this is where it sort of got a little bit better from the game is the relationship between Joel, Tess and Ellie, because in the game, you don't really get the sense of where Ellie's sort of gravitating towards, whether it's Joel or uh, or Tess, but you see it very clearly here that, you know, Joel's very cold towards Ellie because he doesn't trust her, whereas Tess is sort of looking at Ellie as having some sort of like hope, mm-hmm. you know, of, of to what she could possibly be and, and redemption for all that should and, the and done. redemption absolutely, and you know, you could also see Ellie sort of gravitating towards Tess just in some of the little, little interactions that they have, which makes the ending a little bit like that much more heartbreaking because when Tess goes, Ellie is sort of left with Joel who doesn't give a fuck about her. So she's like, she feels left alone too. And not for nothing, man. You know, they they really put emphasis on Ellie being like a, a smart ass and trying to act like tough, like in like this, this very like horrific world. But she sees real quick how horrific the world is when they're not even out for a day and Tess is already gone. Yeah, Like, like I, I was thinking about that too. I was like, holy shit. I was like, these guys haven't even been out for a day. Tessary really didn't make it and now they have to like go somewhere else because the state house was a bust. Right. Like that to me is crazy. So I love how they really just crafted this episode and how they put emphasis on like how brutal this world can be in such a short amount of time.
1: Right. And she was but she was also questioning that. She's like, why aren't we being like mobbed? Mm-hmm. You know? So like she clearly doesn't really have an idea of what the world is like. Yeah. She was asking all the questions, like, are right. they true that some use radar, like stuff like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so now she like you said, she's now finally experiencing it and getting a real sort of taste of what it's like. And um, and yeah, to me, uh, I don't know. Well, you haven't played the game, but that's not how Tess dies. It's a different. You're t- t- you want you want to tell me how Tess dies? Or you want me to tell you? Well, take on I mean, sure, I'll tell you. So, <laughs> the military pretty much raids that state house, and then Tess makes like a last stand. Uh-huh. Uh The bite is the same. It's very accurate as to where uh-huh. she was bitten bit and everything. But uh, but yeah, in this situation, they changed it up a bit. But what I did like about that, that very final moment is like, you know, pretty much Tess clearly has some real deep rooted feelings for Joel. Um, Joel clearly kind of doesn't. But it's almost like she, it's like I was saying, it's like she was making almost like a last sort of conscious stance. Yeah. Like, look, take care of this girl. She can redeem some of that bad shit that we've done. And Joel gets like activated. He does. Like, you know, because he was like. He he was kind of, like, back and forth. He didn't really know what to do, but, like, he really listens to Tess. Tess really gets through to him in that mm-hmm. final moment, and she's, like, take care of him. He goes, boom, he just snaps. Like, his face goes straight, and then he just, like, takes yeah, off. Yeah,
0: dude, and it's crazy, too, because she's, like, save who you can because, you know, Joel is still sort of holding on to this, this trauma of him losing his daughter, you know, and still having nightmares about not being able to save her. So, Tess almost saying save who you can. It's, like, look, like... Your daughter's gone. I'm gone. You have this girl. Save her. Right. Like, get her out. And that's, and that's exactly what he does. And there's also like like just like these little moments too, like when they get to the state house and Tess is like, you know, I'm infected. And then he's like, show me. When Tess goes out to reach for Joel, he like t- has like the step back, and that's such a natural little like acting moment of him like being like afraid of her, like not not knowing. just that, but there she starts twitching. Yeah, she like, the little yeah hand like, she's and like let me see it. You know, yeah. she starts
1: twitching, and that's also something too that I like because like she's like, look. We aren't 100% sure up to this point if this girl's legit or not. But look, I got bitten. My shit's all fucked up. I got like all these things coming out. Look at her bite. There's nothing there. Right. So it was, that was almost like. And she like, got a
0: fresh bite too.
1: Exactly. Yeah. So that was also like another thing too for Tess to be like, this is legit. Yeah, this is like, real. this is real. Like, yeah. I have hope. I can go out on sort of a hopeful note, but you have to carry this out for me. Yeah. Like, I'm gone now, mm-hmm. but this is real. This could maybe make a difference. Now it's up to you. Right. You know? So it was a real nice moment to see like joel get like i said activated like that and um and now it's just joel like now, and uh, like now now
0: we're on the journey joel and ellie yep. yeah and the other cool thing too is i listened to they have a companion podcast that they do with Druckmann, and i think and that's Troy the Baker. podcast that spotify offered me oh is that what they offered? i think you? yeah i think yeah. that's the one they offered me I but mean, i turned it down you didn't take it bro well
1: i got like three offers from spotify i turned them all down just so i can be with your bitch ass
0: but you know, that's what it is. Yeah, thanks. i just make Hi. out. On, I'll just miss out on a couple million. Oh, I appreciate you, bro. I or appreciate it. <laughs> but uh, in that companion podcast, they say how they wrote more of a backstory for Tess and how she had a husband and a son that got infected. She killed the husband, but she locked her son in like the basement because she couldn't. She couldn't go through with it. So mm-hmm. she's that. That was where she. That's came very from. Walking Dead. Very Walking Dead esque. Yeah, with yeah. Morgan and yeah. with his wife and everything. Right, right. And they mm-hmm. they they said they never they never ended up shooting that, but that's. Interesting, too, to get some more backstory for Tess to see, like, where she comes from and what she's uh, sort of coming from when she goes through all this stuff. But, yeah, really, um, really fantastic episode, man. Um really excited for this week's. We get we get to see Bill. We get to see Frank. Uh, you know, Frank is a character that Bill? is only mentioned in the game. You really don't see him. You only get Bill. Um, so I'm curious to see how they sort of go about this whole what they're gonna do with the story i know they're gonna do like a lot of flashbacks to see like where you know how they got to the this point um and from what i'm hearing it's probably one of the best episodes of the season so far so i'm really not so far but just overall like every critic that has seen this episode says like this is like the good one well
1: i'm excited for you to meet bill
0: because he's a fascinating character. yeah i know i have no idea who bill is bro. yeah yeah so i'm yeah. really excited for you to meet him yeah it's not it's not like it's the best moment in the game or anything no. you know? yeah. i mean i'm not gonna spoil it for you but sure but uh all right man anything else you want to say about last of us i do have one you, you have a gripe uh i don't uh.
1: actually what is your gripe oh, yeah. well we, we well we didn't really talk about the tendrils i was just saying I because want to that about is a difference yeah. from the game so i just i don't want to get want to talk too much i think yeah. our little recap was very quick and effective and like we said we try not to talk too much <laughs> right, right. try to keep it effective and i think we did that <laughs> but i will have I, I do have one gripe it's okay. not the tendrils okay what's your gripe <sighs> my sort of issue with this was that um rick Grimes never showed up <laughs> And there was all this chatter on the internet about Rick Grimes showing up on the second episode. So I was really looking forward to it. You know me. I'm a big Walking Dead. I'm a big uh, The Walking Dead fan. For the people who fell off after season six or seven, I totally understand. But trust me, it gets so much better. Um, So give it another chance. Did you finish it? Uh, No. I have one more season. Okay. But yeah, I was really excited to see Rick again.
0: and. It never happened. That was fucking... Wow, bro. you tell me the internet lied to you? Yeah, which wow. is weird because Sh- the internet is usually pure That's such a shocker, bro. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, actually doubling back real quick. Yeah, so they really show uh, the tendrils in this and how the fungus communicates through... The which is affected. something new for the show. It is. It's new for the show. You know, they had spores in the game. They have tendrils here. Tendrils are effective, man. And it, it's... I, I love how they demonstrated at the very end with them all like getting communicated and they ran to the state house. Mm-hmm. Very effective.
1: Yeah. And I like what... Uh, how there's some... They're trying to base it in some sort
0: of truth. Mm-hmm.
1: Which i call it, amazing. Craig Mason, the showrunner, pretty much talks about how this is a real thing in, mm-hmm. you know, in the forest or whatever. Mushrooms, fungi have like this sort of like tendril underground system where they all connect. You know, so one dies, the other one can die or whatever it may be. Which is very, which is I believe it because that's very kind of common in, um, I guess in um, vegetation and shit yeah, like yeah. that. But uh but yeah, I like that whole aspect too. I think it adds a whole new sort of horror element to it. Um, It makes you puts you a little bit more on your toes. Makes you have makes you have to, oh, you have to yeah. be just a little bit more careful. Yep. You know, one bad step, you can be waking up a horde like a mile right. away. Um, and yeah, and I just really like that. I I do. I will say that some of the CG in the episode wasn't great. Yeah, there were a couple spotty moments. But I'm with you. I love the whole fact that like this tendril pretty much called out for help, mm-hmm. which again is terrifying. Yes, that's like a, that. That's like <laughs> like this whole thing. That's like a really like good horror element to it. Um, just all of them being like some sort of hive mind connected. Now, don't give me some like hive mind bullshit where you take out one ultimate tendril, they all die. They all die. Yeah, don't no, give me any of that. I don't think they're going to do that. Just yeah. sort of like minor hive mind where we're all connected is, is great. And then just, yeah, like we said, just like you took one out, this thing calls for help, and then we just get a fucking swarm. Yeah. And there's that shot of like the one... Um, the one like kind of uh, zombie, or whatever, like waking up as all of them are running. Right, it's
0: a real I am legend type yeah, of shit. Yeah, very I'm much like, so. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah, and then we get that disgusting kiss with Tess. <laughs> Bro, that kiss made me horny. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what you're talking about <laughs> them fucking, tendrils going all in there. I liked man. it. I yeah, liked it. Yeah, yeah. Very slow motion. Very slow motion. Yeah. He's a very he's a very caring. Um, well, you know and that, that was the other thing because they they talked about that kiss and like why it was so like intimate. A lot of tongue. And they said, uh, you know, it, it is a living organism. And they said if Tess had resisted. Then uh, the infected would have been hostile towards her, but because mm-hmm. she was almost like accepting of it, uh-huh. it was very like delicate with her in order to like infect her. So I was mm-hmm. like, oh, that's that's interesting. That's interesting. It was very,
1: it was very Buffalo Bill. It's very. We <laughs> come over here just very quickly and, nah, la- and la- just la- 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and yeah, but uh, yeah.
0: nice, uh, nice last moment heroic stand from Tess. Yeah, definitely for sure. And can't wait to see what we get this week and just just going forward. And season two get, did get announced. Season, yes, season 2 is been official. Confirmed. It has mm-hmm. been confirmed. So. Not, not just
1: that, but there's also questionable whether there's going to be a third game.
0: Yes. So yeah, and we could delve into season 2, but I think I'd rather just wait until the series is over to really like speculate as to what's going to happen with season 2 because part 2 is such a complex ambitious game that I'm sure they'll find a way because, you know, Craig Mazin at this point has has shown his stripes in terms of him being a very capable writer. Uh, and producer of, of things, because now with Chernobyl and now with this, and then Druckmann too who obviously made the games, but... Uh, and directed this episode. And directed this episode, did a very good job. Uh, but it's going to be interesting to see how they tackle... Part two because part two has a lot of moving parts. Okay, of, okay, okay. I'm just i saying I'm not gonna go into it, but but you know a lot of flashbacks, a uh, lot of uh, different character perspectives that mm-hmm. they have to go through. So I could see it being like a two season like ordeal, which which is fine. But yeah, like I said, like when when this when this season ends, then we'll get into that all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so other than Last of Us, bro, um, the other thing I wanted to talk to you about was yesterday I was listening to the Daft Punk. Tron Legacy score at the gym. This is going to be quite a ride. I believed in users once before.
1: Playing all the angles.
0: which is fantastic. It's a great soundtrack. It's a great soundtrack. soundtrack. And it got me to thinking what other famous uh, musicians or artists have done movie scores Mm -hmm. and looked it up and there's like a laundry list from from 1960s all the way to now. There's been so many different people. I think a a real
1: noticeable one, notable one of our sort of generation, Mm -hmm. probably like Trent Reznor,
0: yeah, Trent Rizzo's I think he's the probably one. like, yeah, he's the one that. Him and Atticus Ross. So I think Atticus, Atticus Ross isn't he also a part of Nine Inch Nails? Atticus Ross. I'm not sure. Yeah, that I don't know. But yeah, obviously, Nine Inch right. Nails, Trent Reiser. He's definitely been a big one, and it got me to looking like, what are some of the best? What is what are some people saying? Obviously, like in terms of like more recent, you have Arcade Fire that did "Her," mm-hmm. um, Karen O did "Where the Wild Things Are." Mm-hmm. Um, the one that was absent, and I was a little upset, and it got me to thinking because I consider this probably to be one of the most underappreciated soundtracks of the last like 10 years maybe is m83 for oblivion i didn't for see oblivion yeah i didn't see m83 doing the Oblivion. Well, the thing i anywhere. think the
1: problem is i don't think a lot of people care for oblivion oh, i love oblivion yeah and then uh but it was, it was also then with uh what was it susan what's her name susan's uh not susan sarandon oh the one that the one that collaborates with them on the last song mm-hmm. yeah i can't remember what her name is but um but yeah no I'm, I'm with you it's a it's a good it's a good soundtrack but the problem is is just, i just think the movie because since the movie kind of went under the radar no one cared for it it kind of reflects no one's going to go back to listen to like a, a score from like a movie that no dude one I, I do yeah but I that's, do. that's just you but you know it's it's, it's a very uh, um, like Tron also wasn't the best movie but Tron like people go back and watch like, well it's, it's also because it's Daft Punk too yeah and but yeah. no but I'm saying like I go back sometimes and watch some of the racing sequences from Tron, but I never.
0: Oh, see, I love Tron, though. I've never seen see, Tr- Tron. To watch. Tron was one of those movies, and this is where the streaming era has sort of gotten rid of this, but. You know, there are always movies that you used to see once and then it's like, ah, eh, I didn't care for it. And then you catch it on TV, and then you catch mm-hmm. it on TV again and again and again. And you keep watching it. And then that's what happened with Tron. Like I like yeah, I, saw, no, I I like Tron. Yeah, I don't have I, an issue with I it. I saw yeah. Tron in theaters, didn't didn't care for it too much. thought it was okay. And then kept catching it on TV. It was on like stars or something. And I kept yeah. watching it, watching, watching. It. And the more times I watched it, the more I liked it. And now I fucking love Tron. Yeah, no, like
1: Tron's one of those movies that I downloaded. <laughs> OK, um, this was like v- during my big downloading era, like in the late 2000s, early 2010s, mm-hmm. when I was just downloading mil- uh, movies left and right, and giving my computer AIDS <laughs> um, back in my day, kids. You, you don't you don't know how what it was like. But um, yeah, but I just think I just don't think people care too much for Oblivion to really even look into well, who made the fucking pe- pe- score people
0: should go back to it because M 83 did a fantastic job mm-hmm. with that they they got really creative with that with that soundtrack i think the biggest knock against it is because it's funny too because we're talking about tron legacy and oblivion both directed by joseph kaczynski mm-hmm. you know so who who took the idea of saying hey let's have daft punk do the soundtrack for that came over here and says let's get M 83 to do the soundtrack for this so i just i love him for that that alone but um they got really creative with it, man. There's 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 one piece of score where they have dueling drums. The scene where Tom Cruise fights his clone. Mm-hmm. They're they they're doing dueling drums uh, for, for the score for it. And it's so That's fucking such cool. such a cra- crazy statement that you say. I know. Right? <laughs> Tom Cruise fights his clone. Kaczynski's <laughs> been very Kaczynski's like before Maverick
1: was very ambitious. He was like, he was always swinging for the fences and good for him. Um, I really enjoyed his uh, his talk that he did um, his with uh, Ryan Johnson. Yeah, yeah. His, His uh, what was it Variety or whatever. Yeah, was, directors, like, on directors. directors on directors on yeah. directors. it was a really good talk. But uh, but you know, I'm with you. It's good music, but I just think unfortunate movie kind of just um, right. Well, that's why it probably is, it gets my honestly. Und- I think you're the only person I know who likes Oblivion. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not even kidding. Devolix Oblivion too. Oh, Devolix. Yeah, Devolix. Oh, uh, interesting, too, yeah. interesting. But he doesn't like Maverick. <laughs> he Doesn't like Maverick. <laughs> he, thinks, he thinks
0: he thinks it's good, not great. Yeah, that, I that's didn't, what he I says. didn't care
1: for Oblivion and edge of tomorrow
0: suffered because of that it did suffer that unfortunately edge, yeah, edge people, and, people and, uh, saw the
1: trailer for edge of tomorrow and they thought
0: it was another oblivion yeah but edge of tomorrow is, fantastic. It's, edge tomorrow is it's fantastic it's a superior movie for sure do you have a uh do you have a favorite like artist that's done a movie soundtrack uh do you have like one that you go to at all or not really
1: if it's like uh no i think when it comes to soundtracks um i lean more towards actual composers okay. than i do um I do ours even like even the Arcade Fire music for her I thought some of that stuff was good but it's not something that I that you go back and like realistic. Yeah, to go Yeah, go back yeah. and re- I think <laughs> um I think a lot of Marco Beltrami because he's growing up like a lot of like you know like
0: Sydney's Lament and stuff like that yeah, from Scream yeah, yeah, yeah. which we talked about recently. But um Marco Beltrami's fantastic dude. He's yeah. he's I think he's a little underappreciated. Like some of his scores like the score he did for 310 to Yuma, the score he did for Logan, obviously he works with uh with james Mangold a ton mm-hmm. i wonder uh no he's not doing indiana jones john williams is um but yeah but he's he's, he's was ferrari was was that that, that wasn't was ramen that, no that was that was, was, Beltrami. That was Beltrami, right, Beltrami too yeah right
1: but uh the, the last the last um because ramen Jawadi did iron man 2 he did uh and there's a score in iron man 2 that sounds almost identical to the Forbes ferrari soundtrack it's oh like, really it's, a, it's the last one it's um i think it was like the last lap of lamont or something mm-hmm. like that i think yeah. that's what it's called um that's almost like identical to the first flight score from raman Giovarchi oh, Fireman 2. I remember just yeah. like I'm like hmm where have I heard this where have I heard this before? <laughs> that always drops me with a fucking wall and I'm just like where have I heard it like yeah. kind of like another good um I have like just two quick uh uh examples too. The end of the town. Yes. Is literally the Finding Nemo score. Right. You remember that? It is. It definitely <laughs> is. It's 100%. L- it's,
0: the, it's
1: like almost beat for beat the um Finding Nemo score and then there's another one. It's the opening score of uh, of Swamp Thing, the DC show Swamp Thing, mm-hmm. um, which sounded a lot like uh, the Quiet Place. Ah, the quiet yes. like so. G- look up the Quiet Place score, and which I just, think is
0: also Beltrami, isn't it? Doesn't Beltrami do Quiet Place?
1: Uh, I'm not, I know Tyler. Um, Tyler Bates? Bates does the Swamp Thing score. I'm not sure okay. who does. Uh, no, I think I think Beltrami does. I think he does do the Quiet Place score. This, yeah. that's two Beltrami's yeah. on this duplicity list. Beltrami, what are you doing here, baby? Are I know. You, are you ripping off some of these uh, some of these people? What's going on? here? It now? is.
0: It is Beltrami. I just looked it up. Yeah.
1: Huh. Interesting. Are you going to tell me Beltrami did the town too? <laughs>
0: no, he definitely did the town. <laughs> That would be crazy if
1: actually it was. That would be be crazy. you're just ripping
0: people off. uh. Yeah. Um, All right. So, other than than that, do you have, because I was thinking about this too, like, you know, in thinking that the Oblivion score is a very underappreciated movie soundtrack that I don't think gets enough love, do you have like an underappreciated like score that you think is not like revered you know what I mean like anything that's like Hans Zimmer John Williams I mean I can just do a
1: quick you know we can fast forward this a few moments later
0: a few moments later
1: okay we're back yeah I got right off the bat I got a great one that I know you're gonna love okay almost anything that Steve Jablonski has done with Michael Bay oh fuck yes like fuck yes come on bro like Dude. whether it's any of the Transformer stuff, the yeah. island. The island. My, oh name, is my, Lincoln, my, my name, name is Lincoln. That my name is Lincoln Score. That my name is Lincoln Score is yes. incredible. Yes.
0: Um Dude, a lot of the uh, Transformer music. What is it? The the first one was is Scorponok. That one is like Balls to the wall, fucking, that, that, that to me is like the, one of the best like gym songs you, you mm-hmm. can listen to. And then from Dark of the Moon, It's Our Fight, which you can't find on Spotify. You have to listen to it on fucking YouTube. That's the one where Optimus fucking comes in and it's that slight oh, yeah. one shot of him ripping Optimus people has. up. Yes, Yeah, yeah it's a Love great it. score. Oh my God, that's, that's, that's a natural pre-workout. It's and natural then pre. if you want to get like
1: a little more emotional, Tessa for yes, the fourth film. For the fourth Tessa film. Tessa has an incredible Oof. score. Um, another guy, too, that is kind of like a little underappreciated is Clay Mansell. Yes. I think Clay Mansell is great. Um, he did some, um, he did some, uh, Black Mirror music mm-hmm. and one of the best Black Mirror episodes, the Sanjay Nipera episode with, uh, with and, um, what's her face from Blade Runner 2049 and Terminator. Oh, um, um T- Mackenzie Davis. Mackenzie Davis. Yes. Is that her name? Yes. Yeah. 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 And Mackenzie
0: Davis like they, um. Wait, d- didn't he do, did he do Sunshine? yes yeah he, did yeah, sunshine, yeah, yeah, right? yeah he did sunshine he did the i think he did Danny the movie yeah, yeah. he did the fountain uh he did suicide squad he, he finally came back because he was gone for a long time mm-hmm. he did the soundtrack for the suicide squad and he's doing guardians 3 um another one who is extremely underrated who also happens to be an editor
1: oh john ottoman john, john ottoman yeah yeah ottman uh, oh it's ottman yeah okay. the uh the xavier hope score mm-hmm. is probably Days of Future it passed. might be a top 10 score is a top 10 maybe score? top five score <laughs> I'm not even kidding. Like that score Was, is, wasn't
0: that on like your Spotify? rap as one of your like most listened. Yeah, to that songs? one yeah. year.
1: That um, that's an incredible score. Um, other sort of like underlying, uh, just kind of people who go under the radar is um, the Kyle Dixon and Michael Stein for um. Oh, Stranger Things. Stranger Things. Oh, they yes. do a lot of so, great music. So good. And other than that, really, one that I just want to quickly shout out is Christopher Drake. I think Christopher Drake oh does God. incredible. He does Absolutely, a lot of games bro. for. He does a lot of music for video games, mm-hmm. um, but his score for the Dark Knight Returns part one and part two. The animated, the animated, film, animated yeah. film. Phenomenal. Great shit. Yeah, I was gonna really say if, if
0: you've played any of the Arkham games, he did these scores for all of them and all the scores are amazing.
1: Mm-hmm. But yeah, definitely uh Jablonski's one who is just inc- I don't think jablonski is talked about enough enough, but he does um incredible work.
0: Yeah, it's incredible. kind of unfortunate too because he uh you know, he works with Michael Bay a lot and not, not all Michael Bay movies are received well. And usually people sort of pick up. I mean, there's there some people that I've seen that give him a shout out for doing those scores. But mm-hmm. because the movies are not good, he normally like flies under the radar. But yeah, he uh, he's he's very good.
1: Yeah. And then you have like your your mainstreamers like Junkie. Oh, of course. Yeah. Junkie's great. Yeah. Hans, obviously. Um, How Shore. Mm-hmm. um what's the dark is it james i always miss oh name. james newton howard james newton howard was so good yeah yeah danny Alfman. danny Elfman, uh, like you, you're Your big headers but uh when it comes to like those sort of under the radar guys yeah those are those are some good picks
0: yeah definitely um and i guess the last thing i'll ask you too is is just thinking on like that score subject do you have like a favorite score from the last like 10 years or so is there one you always kind of like go back to or like revisit because like for me i would say like you mentioned junkie like mad max for your road yeah i think think that um, that that score front to back is just phenomenal the fact fact that you get an oscar nomination is what's it
1: called um brother in arms brother in arms yeah Yeah, brother in arms yep not just that but the truck sequence the um with the uh with the bikers with that that sequence that's brother in arms that that, sequence no but i'm talking about that scene in general yeah i think that scene in general Is like a masterclass in filmmaking. Yeah, everything about that (laughs) scene—the editing, the the editing, the shot, the shot, the shot. um, What's the word I'm looking for? The composition. No, well, well, yes, but the shot when you pick one, the shot um, selection, selection. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I knew, I knew. Okay, English (laughs) is not my first language. (laughs) English is not my first language. I knew it ended in "shen," and I was like, I kept going back to like um, shot location. Like, it's not shot location. (laughs) What's the other way that ends in Shen, that's not Asian. Yeah, um, yeah. The shot selection for that, I think, I think was incredible. Oh, like that, that scene. Like I said, mm-hmm. like if we put that scene in like a capsule, and the aliens watch it, right? You know, they're like, huh, these guys aren't
0: that bad, maybe you know. And we'll, that, maybe that, we won't kill them. That's also one of those movies too. Like you know, maybe one day we'll ask like ask this question, but it's like you know, if you were living on a desert island, what's the one movie you take with you? Mm-hmm. Fury Road would be up there. That yeah yeah i don't know if i can take just one you can't take just one no
1: no because at the end of the day it's like <laughs> there's too many Yeah, there's, there's there's too many if i'm gonna be lonely too i need something with tits yeah <laughs> so it's probably gonna be something a you little, need something to get me through it yeah so it's probably gonna be something a little bit more throwback since <laughs> you don't show tits anymore but um but yeah that's a that's a good one um what another one uh t- okay it's so top 10 score of the last decade well okay i go back to a lot of 2049 because mm-hmm. i think Honestly, it's a lot of Zimmer, yeah. A lot
0: of uh, a lot of Interstellar, a lot of 2049. I mean, Interstellar's phenomenal. Uh-huh. Uh, his Inception score is also phenomenal. I mean, Dun- Dun- Dunkirk is great. Uh, and then Dune, Dune, H- yeah. But doing, Dune, doing something to be honest, doing someone one that I haven't really listened to
1: that much. I really, mean, I enjoy listening to it, but it's yeah. not one that I revisit. They do, revisit revisit back. Go yeah. Back yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Mesa for me is a Mesa one gets me, um, yeah. That's from twenty forty-nine. Uh obviously the Cornfield Chase, S T A Y Stay, No Time for Caution. Yep. All from Interstellar are incredible. Um yeah, Time, Dream is collapsing. Well, time
0: time I think is his best single piece. Well, of is, score. Actually, that's not even the last decade because it's twenty that, twenty-three. It's, it's, that is true. <laughs> oh my God, you're right. Holy So twenty thirteen and not. holy shit. <laughs> Jesus Christ, we're old. Sheesh. Um but yeah, I, I think I think in terms of his like just a on Hans Zimmer, I think Interstellar is probably his best like it's like piece of score like like just like, as a whole like i think it's i think that's probably his best i probably have to give it to that i know yeah. people would probably say like lion king which lion king is great um or they go to like you know inception but i just think interstellar just as a whole i think is the best and it came out in such a tough year too because i forget what one i think alexander displat won for grand budapest hotel that year but like to me oh, like Displatt's great too despite is great he yeah, does his he does, uh, uh a his, um,
1: shape of water shape score of water score is, 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 is really great mm-hmm. um
0: but I, I just feel like that that zimmer like like I don't know Interstellar is like uh, I think an underappreciated movie and like I think his score is not uh revered enough. Well,
1: I I think I think we've kind of briefly spoken about this before where I think Zimmer had the Leo DiCaprio con mm-hmm. um complex where it was like he always put out a
0: fucking banger, but there was always just that one That was just a little, fucking composer a little bit better, yeah. He just did a little bit more yeah. every time. because well, if you think about it, when he was nominated for Inception, who won that year? Fucking Re- Re- Rez- Reznor for yeah, fucking social networking. Yeah. yeah, for social networks. So yeah. it was like he always just has that like
1: slight brief um um uh, competition. But Dune, it was a lock because like we were saying, Dune, the music for Dune is itself a character. Yeah. It really becomes uh it really makes the film that much more immersive it really just kind of elevates everything and it mm-hmm. drives it's, a lot of the emotion it's an incredible yeah. score really is um can we fucking part two but yeah i i think um, i mean do you have a favorite score of all time
0: <sighs> favorite score of all time holy shit all time of all time
1: Because honestly, I always kind of go back to Descent into Mystery from Danny Elfman for the first Batman movie. The first Batman movie, yeah. Um, There's just something about that score. And obviously, just that scene in general, Batman and
0: Vicky going through the woods, going back... That, you know. that was probably, like, one of the more, like, prominent scores that, like, has just been burned into my head that I, you know, it's, it's like, it's it's iconic. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And, and you're always going to recognize it when you hear it. What, descent to Mystery? Well, did not, just, just the Batman theme. Oh, yeah, the, yeah. The, yeah, yeah. the elf theme. The yeah, yeah, theme. But yeah. not descent to Mystery. Not descent to Mystery, think, yeah.
1: I think if you were to play it, I don't think anyone would really catch Pro- probably that. Probably not. Yeah. Um, and there's a great, there's that great moment in Dark Knight Rises where it's super reminiscent of Descendant to Mystery when, you know, right after they fight the goons on the roof and Bane comes out and then Batman and Catwoman are going through the city mm-hmm. and then, like, you have, like, the close-ups of them on in the Batwing. Yeah. And it's, like you have, like, that eerie music. Uh, yeah, it's yeah, very yeah. Descendant to
0: Mystery-ish. Not the music itself, but the scene itself is mm-hmm. very reminiscent of that. I mean, if you want to talk about uh, re, like just single pieces of score that I constantly like revisit, which would probably say is probably like my favorite uh, it's time by Hans Zimmer. And then it's the Spider-Man two opening titles. Oh my God. Which Elfman. is just like, like to me, like in terms of like, like I think Elfman. Is, well, the thing about Elfman, is Elfman like Elfman was our gen, like he was growing up. He like was, generation, he absolutely yeah. was. Cause he did so many movies. I mean, that was when Tim Burton was at his peak mm-hmm. Elfman did so much of that stuff. The Simpsons, obviously like there's so many pieces of score that he's been a part of. Uh, and then also too, he probably counts as uh, a musician that's also a composer because he's got his own band too. Yeah, he's a fucking rock star. He's a rock star. Yeah, and he's jacked. <laughs> yeah, seeing him at Coachella, just his shirt off, and he's all yeah. tatted up and shit. It's Like Jesus Christ, Elfman, goddamn. Uh, he just comes out here, just fucking, just shirtless. Yeah, shredded. Fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Whoa. Goddamn. Take it easy, pal. How's sh- your mother? A lot of shit going on. Uh, but yeah, so it probably it probably be those two. I mean, there's there's uh, there's a ton more because I have. Like you, man. I have my own like scores playlist. That I just mm-hmm. have filled up with all kinds of shit. Yeah, you know. And
1: whenever I hear like a good score, I'm always like, oh, what is it? Shazam it right away, like trying to uh, get it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think recently, also, um, also
0: the John Williams score for Superman, the opening opening titles for Superman. Yeah, but I don't even. I mean, that's iconic, but I don't even con- listen to it. I know. I don't listen. That's to not it. that's not something that you're <laughs> but, just talking uh, but, out of your ass but, now. But I do. I am talking my ass. I'm uh, yeah. Uh, but I do love it though. I do love that that score. But I honestly, I prefer I prefer Man of Steel more than I do. Williams yeah, the, really first the, first the first flight, the first first flight score.
1: I definitely prefer. <laughs> phenomenal. But again, that's our generation. That is our generation. You yeah. know, um, so I gravitate
0: to more like I probably gravitate to more modern stuff. I'm more of like a like I like the big drums like that Zimmer does. So that's that's usually like where I'm at with. Uh, with well, score. I mean,
1: the splat too for uh, Isle of Dogs. Oh yeah, was that, dogs was that was that the splat? That was the splat. Yeah, like yeah. the drums. The splat, and, I think does all Wes Anderson stuff. Yeah, um, which actually, dude, oh my god, man. <sighs> I, I fucking love Wes Anderson. I say I tell you this all the time. I know you tell me this all the time. But I, I really do. I rewatched Grand Budapest the other day. And Grand that, Budapest is amazing. And that you just want to talk about, like, we talk always we talk about, like, stylistic directors. You mm-hmm. know, like Edgar Wright is definitely one of them um, in terms of the way they direct. They edit. They cut. They, right, it's like they have such a distinct style. You know for a distinct fact vision. who it is. Yeah. With, with Wes, you automatically know oh, absolutely. who it is. You know, yeah. whether it's the fucking colors. <laughs> whether it's the use of like practical, like whether it's miniatures mm-hmm. or drawings or things like that. And his sets like look fake, but mm-hmm. they work. Exactly. You know what I mean? Exactly. And not just that, but the way he, the way he, um, does his shot selection and also like, tra- like the way he does his scene transitions. Mm-hmm. They're just, there's just such a way and energy about the way he does his, his films and scene transitions that I like, that to me that I fucking love. For example, in, um, What's the last one? That the you French uh, was it? The French, French Connection. French, no, not the French Connection. Uh, the French Dispatch. French Dispatch. Yeah. French yeah. Dispatch. Not French Connection. It's a long time ago. Yeah. Uh, French dispatch when um for example when he's telling the story about benicio torres character yes. yeah, yeah. and it's tony revelory who's playing the young version mm-hmm. and he's sitting there mm-hmm. and then he just stands up he leaves and then benicio torres comes in and comes down. down. And that's like that's the eight <laughs> it, it's not 20 years later right, it's not right. 30 years later it's just that right there. It's not a time yeah. jump or anything like that's how we're, it's like he's like this is how i'm going to show you that he aged and all he this aged. time He
0: yeah. almost teaches you like a play it's almost like watching a play yeah in a way for and, it's always, and there's always a the
1: narration and everything mm-hmm. um always for the most part uses the same the same characters like like um edward norton's uh appearance on the train in, in
0: Grand Budapest <laughs> cracks so me up every fucking time dude Ralph Fiennes crushes that role in that movie too oh he yeah so fucking good like when Edward Norton confronts him have you ever been questioned by the authorities? Yes, on
1: one occasion. What? 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 I was arrested and tortured by the rebel militia after the okay. desert uprising. Right. Well, you know the drill,
0: then. Zip it. Of course. you never heard the word Van Hoytel in your life. Got it. Okay, let's go. How may we serve you, gentlemen? Ah, Inspector Henkel. By order
1: of the Commissioner of Police of Broca Province, I
0: hereby place you under arrest for the murder of Madame Céline Villeneuve to Goffin Taxis. I knew there was something fishy. We never got the cause of death. She's been murdered. And you think I did it. Hey! Stop! That shit cracks me up.
1: And he's like, you probably don't remember me. He's like, I remember you very well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, my favorite scene with with i go got to with all my friends. Yeah, uh... With Ralph Fiennes and that is when he's doing, when they're doing the uh, the montage of how he gets along with all, like, the older woman who stays at the hotel. Yeah. And then you just cut to, like, the final shot and it's just him getting, like, a blowjob <laughs> in front <of> the mirror <laughs> yeah. from, like, some, like, old lady. <laughs> right. and it just fucking cracks me up. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I just, I love what's Anderson. I really, like, every every single time I go back, and I, like, French Dispatch, I wasn't crazy about the last story, but the first two with both Owen Wilson and Benito Toro. Yeah. Like, I was just watching and I was just like, oh, my God, like. There's just few there's a few handful directors like maybe no more than like maybe f- ten. That's like even a high number when I'm watching the movie and I'm just like I fucking love like
0: you're like this is this is cinema yeah. like this we're watching cinema, last yeah. night in
1: Soho in theaters. Uh-huh. I'm like I fucking love Edgar. Right. Yeah. You know same thing I'm watching Western I fucking love it like this is like you're yeah. watching you're like this is why you're here. This is why you paid the money to mm-hmm. see this person's art. And it's worth it because you fucking love this yes. person. It's so good. Yeah. I love what interesting. That's how it goes, man. But yeah, the splat, going back to scores. Um, for the most part, all the things that they collaborate on are usually
0: great. Yeah, absolutely too. Mm-hmm. Uh, Yeah, and then before we wrap this up, uh, we did mention M83. We are going to go see them this year, which, you know, going all the way back to our concert talk, man. My first time. For yeah, it's your first time, mm-hmm. which is great. I get to experience a concert with Martin where he hasn't actually seen this artist before. Yeah, uh,
1: it's gonna be my first time seeing them. They haven't been uh they haven't had a show in New York since 2016. Mm-hmm. So it's gonna be a, they've had like two albums since then. Um but fun story about m 3 they're the they're, they're the reason I got Spotify. <laughs> I remember I was in school, this was 2012, I think right when um right when Spotify launched. And it was a hurry-up, we're dreaming album with Midnight City, mm-hmm. and I was just listening to music on YouTube, and I kept getting the ads for that opening riff, that opening piano, whatever you want to call it, of um of Midnight City. And it was like it was that, and it would be like get Spotify to listen to ours, like M eighty three and yeah. more. And it I would get that fucking ad all the time, and then finally I was like, what is this? What is this Spotify? <laughs> So I clicked on the ad and I downloaded it and I can show you like my first song ever added uh-huh. was Midnight City. Wow. Yeah. Like back in 2012, like spring of 2012. That's crazy, dude. And
0: yeah. it also just, just shows to like how, I mean, because MMA- and since
1: then it's just been like, just I've been obsessed with them. I've uh, loved yeah, them. Yeah, man. Like we talked about this concert is going to destroy us. Yeah. Like when some of these songs come up, like when outro comes up, it's going to destroy me when um my tears are becoming a sea, Midnight City, like there's. Just me personally, um, I have very personal connections to some of their songs. Mm-hmm. So I know when some of these things come up, I'm just going like, to be like, yeah, Ugh. yeah, I'm going to be Niagara like on the floor, falls. I'm going to be on
0: the falls like <laughs> crying, just like hugging my knees. Like, I hate you, dad. You know, it's going to be very Yeah, emotional. And, and you, know, you know, for me too, because MA, MA3 has been around a while. Uh, their music is very cinematic. So I always gravitate towards that. Obviously mm-hmm. they did this, the score for Oblivion, but yeah, outro specifically, I've made two videos to outro. You know, I've mm-hmm. done, I've done two, two, two projects with that song. And like, I just. Was that pre or after Mr. Robot Finale? Pre, yeah. So oh, they used oh, the miss Row finale. finale, which was just like holy yeah, shit. Yeah, like you want to destroy they, us. They, they, <laughs> they used a lot. They actually used a couple, um, 83 songs in, uh, in throughout that that whole that whole thing. Um, they used outro. Is it is it is it intro? That's the other one
1: uh well there's two there's, there, intro there, and there's outro. two yeah
0: so they use intro for the end of season three mm-hmm. and then in the first season they use one of their songs from off their first album i forget what it was called well
1: mr robot has a really because mr robot has a good um soundtrack they also use banshees
0: yeah um for one um, you want to talk about underappreciated like everything mr robot is the one of, probably the most underappreciated tv show my most underappreciated scores like if, if you guys have not watched Mr. Robot, do yourself a favor, go and watch. I think all four seasons are on Amazon Prime, but it's amazing. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it's a really incredible show, and it was a and yeah, they use to, to at the end to I guess spoiler alert to finish off to finish off the series, and, and it crushes you. Ooh, it definitely uh, definitely hits. But yeah, that's gonna be a it's gonna be a very fun show. That's one that I'm looking forward to the most. I've watched um like on YouTube, I've watched performances of theirs so many times. Mm-hmm. So like I'm really excited to finally see them, and just like fucking weep like a little baby
0: in the crowd
1: to to this band
0: yeah i can't wait man i can't mm-hmm. wait but well, all right nerds nation thank you guys for joining us on this episode of the f nerds podcast please go and check out some of the other episodes we've been doing we're uh this is our fourth episode in a row man we're, we're crushing it crushing it baby closing out the month it. man thank you guys for joining us my name is Nick nizio i am martin moreno and we will catch you guys on the next one bye